Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. We're here with another edition of the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And I am sitting in San Juan, Puerto Rico, in the <laughs> first colonial bank of America. of America with the wonderful Juan Carlos, who uh, got to see last night um, play flamenco guitar and his show with his wonderful dancers. And so I asked him if I could interview him and um, have him tell us all about himself. So thank you so much for saying yes. Well, it's a, for me, it's something very special because you do a lot of TV things and uh, a lot of presentations personally, but radio, for me, is, is something that I had with me since I was a kid. Mm. When I was born, I was born, as you know, in Barcelona. Uh-huh. I was born after the war. So Barcelona, we didn't have TV in those days in Spain. We have only one radio station which was a national radio station. So that was our only entertainment at the house was a very antique, you know, Telefunken radio. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we learned whatever the dictator was governing Spain, we, we, you know, we learned what he had let us know to know. Right. But uh, to be born in that, in that country at that age is like being in a movie black and white. Yeah, there was yeah. no colors. Right. Because there was peace after the terrible war. One million dead people, brothers, mm-hmm. among brothers. Right. So after the Spanish War was finished, you were walking on the streets and you were looking always over the shoulder because you didn't know who you want to find. And sometimes two brothers uh, saw each other in the front shooting against each, each other. And that's the terrible thing about it is was the cultural part of Spain was very poor. So most of the guys, like my father, for instance, they were in a part of Spain where the Franco was, right. and, but he didn't know what the hell the whole thing meant. You mm. know, he just was there and they gave him a, they gave him a gun and a and a shotgun, and okay, you have to shoot over there, and that was it, and you had to do it, they bombed, they killed you. After that, while everybody enjoyed peace, Barcelona had to be rebuilt, Mm -hmm. and that's why my father came, and my mother came to Barcelona, because they're from from a very poor part of Spain in those days. Mm -hmm. The south of Spain was completely desolated, so these people immigrate to the big city, and there, well, they they were, they make their own colonies, they don't spoke the language because, you know, about Catalans, they speak Catalan, which was a... And they look at those foreigners like, uh, you know, second-class citizens, but they didn't know <laughs> these, these foreigners were going to take over. Ah. Why? Because the Catalans, they are very... I would say stingy in those days. <laughs> I know it sounds cruel, uh-huh. but they were very, very sober, you know, where people were very strict. Mm-hmm. And they had only as many children as they can, you know, procreate and they can give education. So that was only one or two. And then those families from the south, they came and they populated Barcelona and Tarragona and Lerida and Girona, the whole Catalonian thing was populated by these second-class citizens that suddenly they became the spirit and the angel of the, of the part of the country. And I was born into that part. I was born uh, only son. And uh, I was sick when I was a kid. I was a disaster as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 my God, I don't know my family why they don't kill me because you know, I, I, put, I put all the miseries and they, they, they can suffer through... It was because I got sick, I got uh, all the sickness in the world, I was about to die twice. And that was tough for a young couple, you know, especially when you don't have money, you don't have work. Then they took me to school, and when I was six, and I went to school, (laughs) and (laughs) I learned how to read in two days. 
And everybody looked at me <laughs> and I said, oh my God. In those days, you know, right. that kind of things didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And in, after a week, I could memorize books that I don't know what the hell I was reading, right. but I memorized the words. You know, 50 pages, and I can tell you, you know, everything. One day <laughs> in my house, I just passed out. Yeah, my father would... My mother, they thought I was one of my attacks, you know, as a kid. And when I woke up, I have forgot everything. I was like a someone else. And this is never, it's, it's so hard to understand for anybody. Mm -hmm. And they sent me to school again, and I was the last of the class, you know. <laughs> I was the, the stupid kid. I mean, I was not interested in anything but music. Ah. Music was something else. Mm -hmm. So in Barcelona, they put you to work when you were 14, 14 years old. They give you some long pants. They, you can smoke. <laughs> okay. And they took you to have, a, you know, a non-Santa lady if right. you wanted to, uh -huh. which I always refused. I was a romantic. Yeah. Well, they put me to work in a, in a factory where we made steam machines and um, engines for the cruise liners and all these things. And I was, I was a lathe operator. Okay. But the lathe, the lathe machine in those days was very simple. You put your fingers and you lose them. Mm -hmm. That was it. Right. So all the old people in front of the machines across the room, the old guys, they had only three or four fingers in, in each hand. <laughs> and I already was beginning to, to play the guitar. Uh -huh. So I decided to quit. Yep. So I decided I to good, quit. I, I moved out. <laughs> And then something beautiful came to me. I was learning flamenco and I used to go to a small tavern in Barcelona with all the flamenco people because flamenco is very much like a religion. It's not folkloric music from Spain because the flamenco is something that comes from the poor people, from the struggling. It's like jazz, like blues, you know, you cannot called the blues uh, uh, folkloric music. It's not. Folkloric is square dance and all these things, but this is something that comes from the soul. So all these people from the south, I'm talking about poor people, workers, we used to get together in a place similar to this, a smaller, and uh, there was a little stage, and there was someone who played the guitar, and they asked me to play the guitar, and that's how I learned flamenco. Not from the professionals, but there's a guy who played better than I did. And there was a, a young girl that danced. And you know, you were into your thing. And everybody was quiet. And it's suddenly when you are in the flamenco atmosphere, this is a moment of exhilaration that you feel like saying ole. Ole is like it's, it's an expression that comes out of the soul. And we call it the angel. You have angel, and uh, depends how you how you move your voice. You know, it's, it has a lot to do when when everybody gets into the same wave, and uh, and you you singing and dancing with this because you know the rhythm, you know what's going on between the singer, the dancer, and the and the guitarist. It's only three people in the flamenco. Okay. That's the basic, and when that happens, you know. You, wow, it's, you know, it's, like, it's like a blows of power all over the place. And to experiment that was, was something that we wanted to do at least once a week. Mm. And I was doing that, and suddenly uh, two gentlemen appear. They look like Martians to us because they were well-dressed, you know, <laughs> with a goatee and very refined. And uh, they were watching the whole thing, and I was playing my guitar, my mother and father was there. And suddenly, when I finished, I sit on the table, this one of the gentlemen came and said, very politely, can, can we talk to you? And I was 14 years old. Wow. And he was a, a very famous flamenco dancer, and he's a friend. And they came because they wanted to take me with them to France to do a tour with the Jeunesse Musicale Française. Jeunesse Musicale Française was, a, was like a, an entity of the government mm -hmm. that gave to every high school, they gave um, a concerts 
of very important people. I mean, there was a great uh, the, the orchestras that used to go to every little town where there was a high school for girls. It was funny for girls. And well, I, my father and I well said, well, okay, but explain me. You know, he's, he's 14 years old. And he, but he said, this, it's going to be perfect for us because he plays like a grown-up. But he's a young man and the girls are going to love it. You know, there's going to be... Winning. So I was, I was, you know, when, when they give you that opportunity and you've been like locked into a dark place, suddenly France for me was like another planet. So I, I, I remember every detail of that, you know, when I got the... When we changed from the train from Spain... You know the trains in Spain, the, 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 I don't know, the rails were stopped. So, so every, clack, 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 every time. The trains in France, the, the rails were welded. So there was no clack, clack. So I was, at the beginning, was, you know, <laughs> when, what is going to sound? What is going to sound? And from there, you know, is suddenly you're from the poorest part of the country and you have, you go to France and you first, <laughs> I have never been in a restaurant before, the first dinner that you're going to have is with the Minister of Culture at the Palais of Versailles. Oh my goodness. Wow. At the Mirror Room. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've been there. I, wow. Well, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, I do. That's amazing. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, it was the most embarrassing moment of my life because <laughs> they put in front of me like six spoons on one side, three, <laughs> six glasses and four plates on top of each other. And suddenly the guy appeared with a whole salmon in a, <laughs> in a tray and he asked me to serve myself. I said, you must be kidding. <laughs> I was on panic. And everybody was so, you know, what do on air and all that. Right. And I was sweating my ass off. I'm sorry. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, thanks God, there was a lady on the. On, there were two dancers. One of them was the master of castanets playing, mm -hmm. which was a. She fortunately she passed away a few mm -hmm. months ago, mm -hmm. but she was my mentor on the tour. I see. Yeah, and she told me, "Well, you have to do it like this." And suddenly, well, I felt you know myself like an easy, easy. And then something happened to me. Then I discovered that I have certain facility to learn languages. Huh? At three or four weeks, I was speaking French because Catalan. Yeah, you know, well, I speak Catalan. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Catalan is a Latin language yes. that has Italian and French. It mm -hmm. comes very easy for us. But I felt myself speaking French and unliking the whole thing. And then you go to the first show. The first show was a La Salle Playel. De Paris, mm -hmm. and all the girls from the all girls schools in Paris came to see the show to start the tour. Mm -hmm. We were going to do a tour of three months all over France and North Africa. In those days, mm -hmm. North Africa was a protectorate mm -hmm. of of, uh, of France. Well, I didn't expect that. I was dressed, you know, I was kind of a good-looking kid, you know, mm -hmm. with my very thin, with a real flamenco, you know, very... And suddenly I walk in stage, to the stage, because we'd done a rehearsal, but there was nobody there. And suddenly I heard that scream. It's like the Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles. <Yeah. laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. I, I think I got stopped in the middle of the stage, and the, the, the French guy who was doing the, the who was uh, presenting us, uh, right. we call it the conferencier. He is used to do like a conference. Mm -hmm. He said, he go, "Go on, go on, go on." <laughs> so I went there and I sat, and they don't stop screaming. <laughs> you know, say, well. "What the hell am I going to do?" <laughs> Keep playing. It, it never right? happened to me. So finally, I got into it. You know, one of my things very violent it was even worse. <laughs> well, finally, it seems like the guy came in and said, please, ladies, I know he's a young man and he's uh, very passionate and the whole, you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And please listen, he's a great guitarist too. So finally, they came quiet. All right. I did my solo because it was a solo, you right, know. Right. And then oh, I so went good. inside. And when I went inside, 
the, the master ceremonies came to pick me up again. And I said, you, go, you have to, to take another bow. You know, it was incredible because the show was over and they wanted me to, to go out and take a bow. So this was my first experience in Paris, 14 years old. And then to get into the dressing room with like 2,000 girls around you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I think I almost died in France. You know? <laughs> I was terrible. Wow. Then, like this, you, I went to every little town, every place. I remember the first time I got drunk was in the caves of Don Perignon. <laughs> that was that was class, wasn't Fantastic. it? Fantastic! <laughs> yeah, are you kidding? We, then we went to the uh, to the Mont Saint Michel, where the Benedictine was made, and we, mm -hmm. you know, for a kid who's never been out of Spain with a with a hard disk empty, you know, and you visit. Every place where I used to go, we arrived with a bus, and I stopped, I left everything in the hotel and started walking the streets. In the 50s, I'm talking about 1955 in France, the war was also patent out there. So we went to Normandy coast and they still the tanks on the sand, the cannons and everything was there. And we know the real people because, you know, they came, the, the, the major of every little town, they gave us dinner, and we taste the best dishes of every pot. So I came back after the tour to Barcelona, and my father didn't recognize me because I had cut my hair in a different way, and I was wearing the typical blouson noir, you know, Parisian mm -hmm. uh, guy with, with a leather jacket that we used to stole from the American pilots that was down there. Mm -hmm. You know, very straight pants and all that. And my father asked me, and he said, son, I'm, you sure you're not gay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Looking great. laughs> Well, for him, yeah. that was the picture of a gay person, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. because I looked so strange, so different. Mm -hmm. And then I remember then I had to go back to the factory. And my friends in the factory, oh my they, they could believe what I told them. So I stopped telling anybody yeah, yeah. what I have done. Mm -hmm. But this gave me the first taste of, of what I was going to do. Right. Then when I first, when I, we did a second show, a second time, mm -hmm. I was already a professional. And then it's when I stayed. And uh, <laughs> do you remember an actress called Brigitte Bardot? Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She came Bri out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brigitte yeah, yeah. Bardot was then beginning. She was a oh, beautiful girl. Sure. She was beginning. And uh, she had to be in one of the movies, I think, with the God created a woman, Dieu crée la femme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a scene that she has to do some flamenco dancing. Oh. And somehow, I don't know how did I get there, but it's according with a friend of a friend of a friend. Okay, I know this kid who plays the guitar is here, he's going to be at the Olympia. Oh when you, okay, <laughs> they took me there. Wow. And here was playing the guitar from Bici and this, the entourage of Virgil Bardot was Pablo Picasso, François Sagan, <laughs> all these famous oh stars. Goodness. Wow. I was there with these people. That is and amazing. And she, she liked me so much because uh -huh. we were the same age. The right. rest of the people were all oh, guys. Okay. So we had a great communication. We had a lot of fun. And we went to every party. She dragged me. Oh, okay. Because she wanted to do the floor. She that's sure. terrible. I mean, she didn't oh, really? know. <laughs> she was awful. But, but she, everybody applauded her, yeah, and yeah. she was so beautiful. And we know we had such a great time. I met Picasso. I met all these these famous people, and it was like living in a dream. Mm -hmm. And uh, suddenly we got this thing at the at the Olympia Theater for the Genes Musicale. They called me. I said, "Why don't you stay a few more months?" And we have to, we're going to do a show for, for the teenagers. They don't have to be music, John, uh, a school, but young people that want to know for free right. at the Olympia Theater. And there was a show very attractive, which was the, the uh, Russian uh, Army Ensemble, the chorus. Okay. These guys, if you see something, uh, maybe you can see them in YouTube. These guys were like a like hundred guys. Russian uh, soldiers, young men, singing and dancing with these huge accordions in the air. I mean, there was 
I, I was amazed by that. Then a gentleman that was very popular, which was Maurice Chevalier, which was the chansonnier, and uh, sometimes Edith Piaf used to come to, to, to see him, and <laughs> I talked to Edith Piaf, and I said, Jesus Christ, you know, am I, when I'm going to wake up of this thing? Right. We were doing the show, and uh, suddenly we got uh, a telegram from New York. Mm-hmm. That was what I say on the show that we were, we were going yes. to do the thing. It was beautiful because when we got to the Plaza Hotel, I, I already been in a few hotels, but you always, you know, uh, artists, we never went to the first thing. But when I went to the Plaza, I really was really overwhelmed, you know, they gave me a beautiful room and all that. And when we went to the rehearsal, that was a fashion show, it was beautiful. I mean, the models, you know, the top models in those days. I still remember the last costume that was the Spanish, you know, motif was the, that she was, it's like a bullfighter cape all around the girl in red, with just with a black flower on her head. It was so beautiful. And then I realized that the people around me was the, the Kennedys, the Hiltons, the Shah of Persia with his wife, Farah Diva, and it was Arthur Rubinstein, Salvador Dali, all these people were there. <laughs> I, did you want me to tell you a funny thing? Oh, yeah. About it? Yes, of course. I was staying in a, in a, a small room mm-hmm. in the corridor of the plaza. <laughs> on the suite on the left was Salvador Dali. And the suite on the right was Arthur Rubinstein. Oh. <laughs> we were doing a show. We were doing a rehearsal. And I was playing guitar in, a, in the room with the door open because it was... <laughs> There was a, a, a lady, a clinic lady, a young, beautiful Puerto Rican girl, and I was trying to, to, to talk to her. So I said, well, maybe if I play the guitar, you know, she will come in and we'll talk, because I really fell in love with the girl. She was so beautiful. And, uh, and suddenly, instead of the girl, a gentleman appeared, and it was Arthur Rubinstein. He was looking at me playing the guitar. That's wonderful. He said, wow, this is the real scene, isn't it? It was kind of a Jewish uh, German accent. And I said, Maestro, I, I couldn't believe it. I don't know, keep on, go on, go on, go on, play, play the book. And suddenly I was playing, and this guy was sitting in the other, in the other bed in front of me, watching me. But listen to this. He said, you know, I love Spanish music. Well, come, to my, come to my home, I'm going to play something for you. I was sitting like this for one hour and a half, listening to the best interpretation of the Spanish classics like Turina, like Falla, all these great, great composers with the classic. And I say, Maestro, you play this music like you were in Spain. And he said, because I become Spanish when I play this music. And, uh, you know, this type of communication with such ingenious people, uh, I... You know, it's sometimes I think, well, I was there, or it's, it's a dream, and it's, they're so beautiful memories. And two days later, <laughs> I heard some people screaming on the corridor, and it was Maestro Arthur Rubinstein this, uh, having a, an argument with Salvador Dali. <laughs> Salvador Dali with this, oh, you know, with this night, uh, you know, Address and, uh, and the maestro all all his hair like this and a t-shirt. <laughs> I can't sleep like this. Tell him to see. Salvador Dali was looking at him. Finally, the guy left, and uh, I asked him. You know, when I saw him once in the elevator, maestro, are you okay? He said, you know this. What this guy is doing? I know. Salvador Dali was. <laughs> had some little rocks that we have in Spain and we use in the nights of St. John. Okay. It, the rocks are covered with phosphorus. Oh. So when you throw them in the floor, they explode. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, the smell of the phosphorus, you know, oh. is very, very high. And this guy used to, <laughs> he used to get the rocks after, you know, he... he he did that on the corner where there's no rock, you know, because he has to be on the, on, the, on, the flip, on the tile. So he used to get the rock, smell it, and go inside and start painting. <laughs> wow. 
but, but it was so noisy. I never was there because I was, you know, out all the time. Right. I, I was. I went to sleep at three or four o'clock in the morning. Mm. But this was one of the arguments they had. <laughs> and then we went to the to the Ed Sullivan show, and Salvador Dali was there, and he had a big canvas, huge canvas, mm-hmm. and then he had some strange crayons. You know, he started painting with the crayons and doing it. Kind of crazy, but beautiful. And Mr. Sullivan asked him, well, Maestro, how much is this worth it? I said, nothing. We mean nothing. He said, wait. He got a crayon, he's put his signature. Now it's worth $800,000. <laughs> I love his paint. I, your story, I mean, the dream that you keep talking about, I think, you know, a lot of the time... I get to be here with you in the first colonial bank in San Juan, so I feel a dream too, you know? It's the of course. things that happen, you're like... Of course. So it's, great. Uh, this, this life, this life of entertainer, it takes you to places you never thought you will right. ever get there. Mm-hmm. And you meet people you never thought you, you, you can meet, you sure. know? And you get into situations that you can be killed and you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> really, I and know. you, yes. you I get out of it, but you don't know who you really right. were, how much danger you was. Mm-hmm. We traveled a lot, yeah. and uh, then we, I went back to, I went back to Spain, and then I started working seriously on the guitar, mm-hmm. and then I got called for, to go to Las Vegas, and I was, uh, it was a brief thing. But uh, I remember that it seems like Dean Martin saw me on the Ed Sullivan show when I did my Zorba thing. You yeah, know? so on the Ed Sullivan show you played Zorba. Yeah. 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 And the Ed Sullivan played Zorba because he asked me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to play some, some of my flamenco, Malagueña, and all those things, but, but Mr. Uh, this uh, Ed Sullivan, he, he was a strange guy. He said to me, I want you to play something you have never played before. Uh-huh. Like he was testing, testing me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, something like, you know, he said, do you, have you ever seen a movie called Zorba the Geek? And I say, no, it's not. It was not even shown in Europe yet uh-huh. because it, it came out years later. But the theme was very famous. And somehow uh, he said, okay, well, they put me into a screening room and they, they showed me the movie a few times more more or less to hear the music because mm-hmm. they didn't have the music out yet. Oh, uh-huh. So, but well, I tried to, I said, let's saw the movie like seven times and, <laughs> and I put it together and then I realized that I could not play it with the, with the guitar tune the way, uh, the regular way. Right. So I tried to, to fake something to see if I can get it easier for me to do. And finally I found my own tuning. Mm-hmm. And I found it by accident. <laughs> Isn't that the way sometimes? I was playing a flamenco guitar oh. with wooden pegs. Okay. okay. There's no, no mechanical. Mm-hmm. Wooden was mm-hmm. straight. Yeah, straight mm-hmm. So when you, uh, you have a flamenco guitar and you touch something with a, with a head, it, the whole thing goes back. So oh. I was practicing and practicing. Suddenly I did like this and I touched the edge of the table with a with headboard. And suddenly, bam, two strings get off. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and I did, rang. I said, oh my God, let me try. Rang, rang, rang. And that was it. I discovered it by accident. <laughs> That's the truth, <laughs> just between you and me. Okay. So my big success of Zorba the Greek, <laughs> I discovered by accident. And with a guitar like this, without touching it, <laughs> I went to do the show. I practiced and practiced and practiced until when I had it done, I say, okay. And I did it. And it was very, very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fun because how important it is to be in the right place, you know. Uh-huh. Just when I get out the, of, the, of, the, of the studio, the theater, uh, day after, New York recognized me anywhere because the Ed Sullivan show was, Everyone. everybody was watching it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Zorba, hey, Zorba, they thought I was Greek, no, I'm Spanish. Oh, that was beautiful, Zorba, how can you make it sound so like... And this is something that for an artist, uh, 
is recognition. And I've noticed that recognition is the most important thing for everybody, not just for an artist. We got it for free. Mm-hmm. But I, need, I think the recognition is something that needs need for everybody because to be anonymous, it's really a very sad thing. And people, sometimes they, they're so lonely because they are not recognized. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a very sad thing. But there's another danger too. If you want to be a celebrity 24 hours a day, That's terrible. Yeah. Nobody wants to no. be next to you. No. <laughs> so, that my career at the guitar has been taken from the real flamenco thing, which gave me the technique. Right. The way I move my hands, you know, and uh, the violence that I have, because flamenco, sometimes you get violent. You get, you get into it. It's like playing a drum, you know. Sometimes you get into the rhythm, and, and you really do it hard. And uh, then I, I learned how to play music from other countries where in South America, of course, and I was visiting, I don't read music. I never read music because of flamenco, you know, you play by ear, that's it. You have to have a good ear. And uh, I fell in love with all these melodies and I stopped with my technique. I play all these melodies with a technique I knew. And suddenly I found myself playing music from, you know, from Chile, Peru, Argentina, Bolivia, all those things. And it sounds different, but it sounds, uh, it sounds uh, like the real thing, but it's probably a little more brilliant because of the way I, the, the way I use my, my right hand. So it gave me that, that special touch. And then I had the, the good luck to, to meet a, a woman uh, here in Puerto Rico. She came from Argentina with a beautiful sp- uh, show about Spain. You know, the immigrants in Argentina, they're 80% are Spaniards from the origins. So she brought, came here with the music from the whole countries of Spain, not just flamenco. She danced, she was specialized in music from the north, from the center, and flamenco, of course. She was very, very vocal. And when she got here, she started learning uh, Cuban dancing, uh, Brazilian dancing, Puerto Rican, all that. So suddenly, of course, we fell in love, we, we finally got together, and that's when we decided to put together a show. And we were adding more girls, but our gimmick was to use beautiful Latino girls. We didn't want a professional dancers. The show, the talent was based on me. And because I learned how to handle a show from Dean Marty, from, uh, uh, from these guys like, uh, like uh, uh, Sammy Davies, like Polanka, uh, watching in be, being with those guys, mm-hmm. I used to open the show for them in, in many times, even here in Puerto Rico, when Puerto Rico was like Las Vegas in the 70s and 80s. So handling the audience, learning the language, I was lucky, I spoke already French and Italian, and... So learning English took me a while, but I got familiar with it. And the way these guys used to handle the audience between songs or how to talk to them, that's, that's the gimmick of being an entertainer. So without noticing it, I was becoming a, a showman. And I started telling jokes and telling stories, and suddenly the girls appear with a beautiful dance. And when you see the girls, you know, everybody was mesmerized because it was like Miss Universe thing. So, but the good thing about it is my show was put, by, put together by a woman. So it was never grotesque or it was erotic or sexy. The costumes we used were exactly the costumes the Brazilians used in their dances, the Cubans used in their dances, the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans. So we did everything with style. That's why we never had problems like being censored for to go anywhere. Because the girls were beautiful, But, you know, there were no strings, there were no sexy movements, nothing. It was real, real dances from the countries. And the flamenco, you see, I have a great flamenco dancer here. She's good. But, of course, now, as I said to you, I'm retired. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can stay home. <laughs> well, this is, part of my, this is part of my life. And I, something I like to mention, too, my first contact with America. America... Uh, is uh, the dream, in the, was the dream of many people. 
And when I first flew over New York, I thought it was in a movie. You know, I was, you know, we saw the movies, and I, I said, okay, I'm here. You know, this is it. We did a tour all over the United States. We we played in universities. It was a cultural tour, 1960. We were doing every university. We did like 30 universities in the United States, and we did it by bus, mm-hmm. traveling. We traveled the roads of America, wow. and. In the 60s, I went to the diners, you know, the real (laughs) ones, Uh you know. And I went to the western countries. Las Vegas was just one strip, you know, that was it. We just passed through. We saw all the southern, uh, we went to Kentucky, we went to so many places. And this for, you know, for 20 years, old man, that is is something, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't believe it. So I absorbed so much. And I became so, so fond of the American people because I saw for the first time the people who didn't cheat. Mm. You know, people who went, who accomplished things and they paid the taxes and they went to, to school and everything was working. And, was, and that was beautiful because the Catalans, in a way, we were like this. We were very responsible. We were always on time. This is something that I learned. And, I, and South America was a disaster, you know, it was <laughs> terrible. I don't know how the hell these countries work because right. nobody's in time. But I, I had such admiration for that that I, I decided, well, this is, this is what I'm going to do. That's why when I got my first American passport, I, went, I, I, I wanted to go to Vietnam. I, and I did go. With, we made a little group in Puerto Rico and we went to Vietnam. To, with the USO, and that was my my way to say to say thanks, you know, to so many so many things that you can accomplish in, in a country like like America. I never felt like an immigrant because I I got my residence for free. Mm. It was given to me by a president. What what president? <laughs> what president? You I know you've played at the White House too. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who have you yes, played uh, for? Uh, uh, there was Spiro Agnew, uh, was the, price, the vice president. That was, uh, which, I'm uh, sorry, Kennedy I'm getting all my. But I, I, you know how I did it? Pablo Casals. Pablo oh. Casals, the great cello player, uh-huh. is, he lived here in Puerto Rico I with see. my paisano, and okay. we met. Uh-huh. I was, a, I was <laughs> in the deport, deportation process. Oh, gosh. So I was going to be deported. Uh-huh. And. Uh, I'm still trying to think the, the name of the president. Well, Carter? You'll, you'll find out. I'm all like, Carter. And, uh, <laughs> I'll find it out. Yeah, yeah. He, <clears throat> I met him in a recording studio. We start talking Catalan, you know, all that. Uh-huh. And I said, Maestro, I'm sorry, I'm going to miss you a lot because I have to go. Well, what do you mean? Why are you going? No, I'm being deported. I said, What? <laughs> Why? I do that something wrong. I say, No, just my, I have no, no visa. I have nothing else. You know, I have no reason. I have no job here. I said, well, but you, you're a flamenco guitarist. I said, yes. Well, but you're a person of, you know, in, uh, in America, they have a rule, a law, that if you have a personal of certain abilities, you're, you're wanted to be in, 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 in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big extraordinary ability, yes, something like that, absolutely. it's called. Mm-hmm. And I think, you th- I said, do you think you can apply? I said, of course. Of course. This is something very unusual. We don't have real flamenco guitarists born in America yet. Mm-hmm. So he wrote to the president. Wow. And two weeks later, I got, <laughs> I got called by the immigration office here, and they gave me the green cards. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my God. What was the president that came after, um, after Kennedy? There's uh, Johnson and, and Ford and Carter. Uh, no, Ford. 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 Okay. John Ford. Exactly. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this was my this was my big thing about the visa, and when I went to pick up my visa, mm-hmm. it was given to me by some uh, judges that come every every week. They came from the United from the United States, right. and they were dining in, dining in a restaurant, and I was performing. <laughs> and when they saw me <laughs> coming into the, the jury, you know, because we have to mm-hmm. do the. And they say, did you bring your guitar? I say, oh, my God. And they say, why don't you tell us? <laughs> you oh, <know>? my. <laughs> they <laughs> you want know? you to play. 
you know where that letter from Washington, okay? <laughs> Who the hell is your friend up there? We're so beautiful. These guys, they were so nice. They always asked me to play Malagueña. They admire what I did. But I never thought was they were. They never introduced themselves right, either. Sure. So I don't know who the hell they were. But when I walked into there, when I said, oh, my God, did you bring new guitar? And I, oh, my goodness. That's that amazing. was beautiful. Yeah. And this is uh, things that happen, you know, things that you get when, you, when you're an entertainer or an artist or something like this. Mm-hmm. There's so many stories, but maybe we'll have another program. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to talk again. And now you're retired, though I saw you perform so beautifully uh, last night. So, yes. But you're, so where people can find you, um, so the name of this place? Oh, this, is, uh, this is Triana Tapas. Triana mm-hmm. is a little suburb of Seville. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on the other side of the river, mm-hmm. where the, most of the gypsies were. Ah. The, flamen- the flamenco was first and the gypsies came in later but they adapted so well that they related with the flamenco very much okay. but uh, Triana Tapas uh, Tapas is a little you know when you order that you eat before yeah uh, before the going to a serious eating you know so you have a little glass of wine with all, a little part of uh, olives and shrimps and all this. It's a, a great variety of herbs. Yeah, of the food's herbs. delicious. Yeah, it's great. The, the, yeah, the food is very good here. And these people, they, the good thing about Triana is that it's not made by Spaniards. I mean, there are two Puerto Ricans. The, his wife, uh, the, the wife of, uh, of Harold, is the lady you saw with the castanets now. Oh, and you uh-huh. see in the yeah, lobby, yeah, you know, these yeah. people learning the, how to play. And they yeah. do class here then, too. Yeah, right? she's a That's teacher, wonderful. but she sings flamenco, and she plays a flamenco guitar, she dances. Wow. <laughs> she, and he is, uh, in, in Spanish, we call it manitas, we call him hands, because he's, he's the one who repaired all this. He's an uh, engineer, electric, ele- electrical engineer. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's graduate and how to know so many things. He can fix your computer, your phone. <laughs> he, he can break a wall and he can fix a toilet, you know. <laughs> this guy, it's amazing. Yeah, man of all trades. Yes, yes. and he's, 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 a, he's very smart. He has a great, a great sense of humor. He likes dancing a lot. Mm-hmm. And they met... Uh, and Arthur Murray's call a school here. Yeah, oh, and yeah, because yeah. yeah, because he was teacher in Arthur Murray, oh. and she wanted to learn how to dance. So that was love at first sight. Uh-huh. And they, he's been doing many different business, but somehow, when he saw this place, that it used to be a Spanish restaurant that just didn't work, but he took it and then he put all this together and he fixed it and they yeah. work a lot. And we create, and of course he needed someone who knew about show business, and I happened to be here. Yeah. I was staying in Venezuela uh, until 1995. I was doing well down there because I was, Venezuela used to be the richest country in South America. Mm-hmm. I was performing at the Hilton, and suddenly, you know, everything went yes. out, and got it. I had to leave Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate because the El Conquistador Hotel, which is a beautiful resort, used to be, was to be reopened for the second time. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to, to come with a whole show to open. I right. was performing five, five years with them. And then, well, I, I decided to, to buy a friend of mine the business of the cruise liners. Oh, The cruise liners used to be a great business here because... In the old days, about 20 years ago, the ships were smaller. Mm. So the cost of the tickets was higher, which brings you another kind of audience. Right. So the people can come, can pay to see a, a tour with the mm-hmm. show. So we used to rent the whole uh, auditorium in a hotel. Oh, wow. We had like 500 people for mm-hmm. a show. Right. And that went on for about five years. Mm. It was good business. Now, unfortunately, the ships are much bigger, which gives facility to people of, you know, middle class to, to visit, which I think is great, you know, yeah, it's beautiful. But in our business, you know, they try to keep the same prices on the ship 
effort to pay for our show and it's not working because, mm -hmm. you know, these people come with a small budget and they rather walk, you know, and, and, and spend that money on mm -hmm. eating or buying things, which is very understandable. Yeah. Well, well no, now we have in groups of uh, 100, you know, 50, 60, that's okay. And, and it's good to entertain the people for the cruise liners because most of them, they're people of certain age mm -hmm. and you know they feel very identified with me yes. so we had a lot of, a lot, a lot of yeah. good times with them that's wonderful and now well i have a, a beautiful house in front of the the beach i have a beautiful wife and uh, and my my dancers and i have three daughters and four oh. grandchildren wow we are a whole family good for you <laughs> and um, it's not for me, it's not sad to retire because yeah. I've done so many things. Sure. Yes, yes. I perform so much. Mm. Then I say, I say, my my son-in-law asks me, "It is nothing you would like to do." I say, "No, I've done it. Everything I wanted to do, man. Leave me alone. I've done it. I'm leaving the future. Okay." Right, right. Yeah, that's amazing. And you know, you do this here. Cause, oh, this you know, because you love it. And this is fun this for is me. This is fun. This is this isn't this, necessarily the yeah. Kind of, not that not that if you love what you do, it's not work anyway, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, not yeah. touring and all of that. I I sometimes they call me to do a convention, which mm -hmm. I enjoy it very much. You know, I, sure. I go to to do a convention in the United States or something like that for mm -hmm. two or three days. Yep. I know that I'll do it, but this is a. I've, every night, you know, there's new people coming, yeah. and uh, it keeps my mind working. Mm -hmm. And of course, now since I'm beginning to, you know, sometimes you forget things. But a friend of mine told me, you know, Alzheimer is not when you lost the key; it's when you find them and you don't know what the hell to do with them. That's a real thing. I yes. say, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm safe. Okay. Yeah, as long as you know what to do with the guitar, you're still yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I have something beautiful. My, I have my first guitar. I revived my first guitar that came with me uh, to America from 1960. Wow. And she's still alive. We put a, I put it to work, and mm -hmm. uh, every time uh, it's a flamenco guitar, uh -huh. and it's very special because flamenco guitars are very light. Right. Because they don't have any iron anyway. Okay. Everything is wood. Mm -hmm. And it's very thin. And it's... it's uh, it's so beautiful to, to, to play that instrument. Now, sometimes, you know what I have? I, I think that sounds stupid, but I have my, my how do you say, when, when you have in your computer uh, a, a picture, you know, my... Uh, you have a picture in a frame? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, when you have a, a, a picture you like in your computer. Mm -hmm. it's your, your favorite? Uh, it's like... Uh, it's like a screen shaver. Oh, screen, screen saver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah the yeah. screen saver is a picture of my house uh -huh. from 1952 when I was born. Wow. And there's nobody in the street. And it's my house over there. Mm -hmm. And it's everything in snow. So when I look at that and I grab that guitar, yeah. I, I feel something. Yeah, of course. I'll say, I'm, I play guitar different than when I come here and I play with the electric, the one in electrified. And then I'm beginning, to, either or I'm going crazy, or this is something that is happening between the guitar, my youth, and me. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a strange feeling, but, you know, improvisation is the main thing in flamenco. So I'm improvising, and I'm coming out with things that I have never done before with that guitar. So... <laughs> I would say, oh my God, you better watch out. <laughs> Thanks God, I'm not smoking anything or drinking anything. <laughs> so I'm still sober. And I say, well, maybe it's something going on. It's a connection, right? So, I, mean, I don't know. It is, yeah, but it's funny because when I'm relaxed in the house, you know, and I just, I never felt it many years ago mm -hmm. to, to go and play the guitar in the house ah. because I've been playing a lot. Right. But, but this guitar happens to me. Hmm. This guitar was hidden in a, in a what you know, one of these uh, things that you hire to put furniture inside. Oh, like in storage. A yeah. storage room. Uh -huh. And even I forgot about it. And about six months ago, when I found it, I felt like a, you know, thing in my heart. I said, God, thanks God it's here. Yeah. Because, you know, I had so many guitars and so mm -hmm. many things. And then I, I put it back, I, I took it with me, a varnish, and put some new strings and. And now we're friends again. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, yeah. Sometimes it, 
connect that it's sometimes the first you know those those things that are your first the moment yeah yeah but you, you know? know what this guitar has is that uh, it's a natural sound uh, okay. it's, it's a kind of guitar that you cannot press against your body because mm. you kill the vibration oh, okay. so you so have to bit. separate a little bit because it's so thin the wood is cypress and spruce it's so thin the wood that everything vibrates mm. and it has a real flamenco sound and it was built in 1960. Wow. <laughs> yeah, great. it was my first guitar, professional guitar. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for talking with me. And I still am, I can't believe this wonderful room down here. This is, yeah, this, this is, is a, it's very unusual because this is the, the shelter of a bank that was the first bank America had outside the United States. Yeah, and we're in the vault. Well, we're in the vault. Yeah, we're in yeah. the vault. So. And this vault is, <laughs> I think the previous owners of this place, the Spanish restaurant, they told me that they brought a German technician to open the, the oh, safe because yeah. it was locked. Mm -hmm. The German guy spent here about a month drinking and having a, <laughs> he never got the thing open. <laughs> and then they call a bunch of kids from the other side of the bay from Puerto Ricans. They uh -huh. came here with two screwdrivers and, and, all, and they opened it up in, <laughs> in about two days. So that's what I call Puerto Rican talent. Yeah, exactly. Yes, there you go. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Juan Carlos. Thank you. I mean, what a pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. sharing your story with it's, me. It's pleasure, my pleasure because so great. you don't have uh, many... You know, I'm, I'm writing a book. Oh, good. But they're going to give me more money for not to publish it. Oh. <laughs> Is there some good stories in there? Yeah, <laughs> I'm because, sure there are. Oh, my God. I'll, we'll do another article. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, will, I wait for the person to die so I can uh, talk, oh, talk right, about okay. them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, we don't gossip. No, yes. I think what you do is something beautiful, and I feel myself very, very lucky because you don't get to know the most of the artists, you know, we all guess. You see them all only on stage, but behind mm -hmm. each person there's a story, right. you know. And people like us who've been traveling so much, who've been doing so many things and meeting so many people, we have lots of stories, lots of situations. Yeah. And it's good to give it away sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Gracias. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Gracias, gracias a ti. Okay. Uh, that was the lovely Juan Carlos in uh, San Juan, and this was Mavens Do It Better. Thanks, everybody. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.